Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. Telling it as it is. This is the Dean Mackin Show on today's news talk radio, TNT. Telling it as it is. Something we do very well here across the board at TNT Radio. I hope you had a terrific weekend. Hope you did something exciting. Don't waste it. I remember uh, somebody who I very dearly loved and they passed away a couple of years ago and I spoke to them only weeks before they passed away and I said, did you have any regrets? And two I won't disclose. One of them was, I wish I did more with my weekends. And that really stuck with me. It really did stick with me. And I think it's something that should stick with all of us because you blink and who, you know, you're 80, you're 90, you know, if you're lucky, and uh, you've missed your weekends. And I think the weekends are where we connect with people, with family, with friends, get out and do the things that make life more bearable. And that's my little tidbit for the day. Enjoy your weekends, said the guy who worked all weekend, but I'll be enjoying next weekend, I do promise. Uh, And I hope you enjoyed Chris Smith. I know you did. He'll be back tomorrow at the same time. Thank you, Chris. Uh, The Aussie Cossack will be joining us a little bit later. The wonderful Gemma Cooper joining us imminently. And this hour, Robbie Catter, MP, son of Bob Catter. We're going to be talking to him about a whole bunch of stuff that's happening up in Queensland. And wow, isn't there a lot happening up in Queensland at the moment? We're going to be talking to Diana Draga Mirovic as well. I did a bit of a George Daniki and then I don't know how that happened, but I did. Um, We're going to be talking to her about the digital ID bill as well. Now, I had a great weekend because I got a wonderful bit of news, as I know many of you did. I got it a bit differently. I've got an Amazon Alexa next to me, and I hope that's not going to talk to me now. Um, And it just popped up and it said, Palaszczuk has resigned. Too good to be true, you think? No, I checked it and it actually happened. But before we get too excited, why are we excited? Well, you could argue because the last four years was horrific for Queenslanders, certainly for all Australians, but uh, Queensland bore a, a fair bit of the brunt as well. Lockdowns didn't need them. They did pretty well, to be honest, with the pandemic. But there they were getting shut down regardless as she was in lockstep with other states, as one would expect these days. But certainly uh, nothing to be really happy about. I'll read a couple of quotes from her. In fact, let's run by it. So there she was. There she was on Sunday and at a press conference. And uh, she said, I'm going to step down next week. She named Stephen Miles as her successor. So you don't get to decide who is the new Premier of Queensland. They get to decide much of the same, one would expect. But here's how the human brain works. We connect things. We we tie them together. So if you think Palaszczuk bad, you may not think Labor Party bad. You may just think Palaszczuk bad, Palaszczuk gone. This is good. Stephen Miles might be terrific. Probably won't be. Probably be more of the same. I would almost bet that will be the case. But again, they had absolutely no chance of winning that next election. And here they were, desperate. But you could also go a little bit further because now all but one of the premiers who were very active during the lockdowns and the mandates and really did nothing to help any of us that we can remember that was positive and all but one in a- the ACT has now gone, citing things such as family reasons. Remember Mike Baird, family reasons, and I remember being on commercial radio at the time and I said, family reasons, my backside, 
I'll give him six weeks. I was wrong. I admit when I'm wrong. I think it was five and a half. Five and a half weeks, and he announced he was off to some million dollar a year or better job, and uh, that's what happens. It is the new reward, if you will, for a job well done. Yeah, if you think, if you agree with that and you think they did a good job, well deserved, yeah. Or if not, maybe whatever. We'll go with that. Now, she's, uh, I'll read a quote. I have given my all and I have run a marathon. Now, have you seen Palaszczuk? If I was going to make that claim, I need to have possibly have run a marathon in my lifetime. I would suggest that probably hasn't been the case. So whether you know uh, what that is actually like, uh, Anastasia, I really don't know, but uh, that's her claim. I fought a good fight and I've given everything. And now I feel that it's time to see what else life has to offer. Hang on, it's going to move something. Oh, see the ground paper. Right. Oh, man, I don't know what's in that. I really don't know. But, yeah, she doesn't know what life has to offer, has no idea, no idea, off for family reasons. But she's saying that she's going to be running at the next election. Really? Do you believe that? Nope. NUP won't happen. I would suggest because she did a wonderful job that there will be a, a job offer. It will pay rather well. And uh, she'll be off to that. And uh, certainly, you know, the IMF, you know, the, the all these people overseas, they, they love these people because they did such a job, great job managing our economies. Now, she's also said that she's left Queensland in good shape as she resigned, citing lower unemployment, the Cross River Rail Project in the 2032 Olympics as her government's defining achievements. Nothing was said about the other games, Commonwealth Games, nothing was said about that. Funny. Anyway, didn't mention that. Now, here they are, and their net debt as of the 30th uh, of June, that was predicted to be higher even, in fact, almost double, is going to be almost $6 billion. And her idea is of leaving Queensland the state in a good state is $120 billion in debt. There was a time where we would have been mortified, horrified beyond words if that was our federal debt. And that is the debt of just one state. And don't even get me started on Victoria, which is significantly more than that. Absolutely frightening. She's off. Ding dong. The witch is dead. And um, I'm not even going to break into my Kermit the Frog. Yeah, I did. Sorry, uh, voice. But I'm just absolutely glad she's gone. But I'm not glad she's gone because she'll be off to bigger and better things that suit her. Uh, there'll be less work, more rewards, and that's how we roll. And again, if you don't feel that our politicians should be rewarded subsequently for anything that they've done politically for any reason, I would like to think that that's something we would hit on the head moving forward. I don't think they should be rewarded. I think every, anything they do in political life should be uh, ignored by business, by big government, certainly by global government. And I'm just fed up with people who have done a tremendous disservice to our country and to our state, being regarded by those global interests as having done a good job and are subsequently rewarded. And I think you might feel that too. So she may be gone, uh, expect much of the same, same old, same old, and expect the goldfish syndrome to kick in at the next election. Well, we weren't going to vote for Labor, but now that Palaszczuk is gone, maybe we will. Maybe we are idiots. I don't know. Uh, all present company excluded. I know you lot have switched on, and you all know somebody who is exactly like those who I, who I am alluding to. Frightening, but that is life in 2023, is it not? And it's not getting any better. 
But uh, let's just hope that uh, we can spread the word and fix that. Okay. For all of the latest community events, rallies, marches, festivals, and fundraisers happening near you, uh, then visit the What's On event calendar on the TNT Radio website at TNT Radio Live. You can stay in touch here at TNT Radio. Getting straight to the facts. Enough with the lies. We need facts. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, and if you're sitting out there, you're driving in the car, and you're listening, well, I understand why you wouldn't be watching, although I tend to... I shouldn't say it, but I, I do kind of watch things in the car while I drive. But I'm a very good driver. I'm a bit, a bit like Rain Man in that respect. A bit like Rain Man in a, f- a few ways, if I'm honest. But anyway, I digress. Uh, you should be watching us. All you have to do is get onto the TNT Radio live stream Rumble on YouTube. It's very easy to find on YouTube. Just Google or just search, I should say, within YouTube, TNT Radio live stream. Click on the link, sit back in your lounge and watch. And you can see the wonderful Gemma Cooper, who's about to join us. Hello, Jim. How are you? Hi, Dean. Yes. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning here in the UK. Uh, yeah, I'm here, raring to go, raring to go. Now, I would imagine, because let's face it, I mean, whether you're over in the UK or right here, things happen almost identically. And uh, you get the good politicians, they're out, they're gone, those who advocate for, for you know, whatever, anything from unborn babies to climate change being a fraud. Those people are kicked out, those who don't like mass immigration. Off you go, despite the fact that the bulk of the population, and I would suggest a significant bulk part of that, uh, you know, uh, population, are in lockstep with these good politicians. They go, the bad ones are rewarded, happening over there in the UK as well, Jim. Well, it's interesting you're talking about a politician that's left their post. It looks like it could be this week all over for Rishi Sunak. Uh, It's all to do with his emergency legislation that he wants MPs to vote on tomorrow uh, to overturn the court decision about sending uh, asylum seekers and immigrants to Rwanda to stop people coming over on the small boats. The the court said it was uh, unlawful. Uh, Richie wants to bring a new legislation tomorrow to overturn that decision so that he will be able to deport people to Rwanda. But it's caused a huge division within the Conservative Party. There are meetings today uh, to decide how the right and the left of the party are going to vote against this legislation or for the legislation. And it's on a knife edge. And a senior Tory MP has this morning come out and said to Rishi, if you lose this vote tomorrow, you're going to have to call a general election right before Christmas. Um, so we could be seeing a new Tory leader in the in the new year. Um, so basically, the, um, the, the majority that he needs, he needs to keep the rebellion to either below 56 abstent, abstent abstentions. I've never been able to say that word particularly <laughs> well. Um, or 28 against his uh, emergency legislation um, uh, powers. Uh, and also, interestingly, it's going to be a very bad week for him. He faces the COVID inquiry today where he will have a grilling. Obviously, everybody facing the COVID inquiry has been briefed and scripted by Whitehall, by the civil servants. But it'd be to see what he comes out with. But basically, um, the Tory party is at war over the Rwanda plan. This is obviously all to do with immigration. He was very clear that if, you know, if we vote this legislation through, then my plan to deport asylum seekers to Rwanda and let the Rwandan government deal with their applications, let the Rwandan government decide whether or not they're immigrants or asylum seekers and deal with them accordingly. And he said that would save his immigration policy. It will bring the figures down. It's a very controversial plan because when it was first announced way back 
2021-22 by Boris Johnson, uh, a few people went and had a look at, at how many people would be deported to Rwanda under this plan. And the facility that R Rwanda had to offer could only take 200 people. Uh, and when grilled on this uh, last week, actually, a spokesman for the Rwandan government did say, oh, no, no, we can take more than 200, but she wouldn't commit to any figure, 201, 202, 203. So it didn't even look like thousands of asylum seekers were going to be deported there in the first instance. It looked like a kind of PR exercise. Unfortunately, nearly 300 million pounds has already been spent on this wow. before a single, exactly, before a single asylum seeker or immigrant has been set foot or even got on a plane and set foot on Central African soil. So this is why I think this has divided the Conservative Party. As I say, they're meeting this afternoon. Uh, if he loses tomorrow, that's it. Snap general election could all be over for Rishi Sunak. But as you rightly say, Dean, it won't matter because he'll be off, you know, in some globalist job within, you know, a few weeks to a few months to a year. Um, but it's interesting that it's, it's immigration that, that's that's really put his position under threat. It's not the last three and a half years of the scandemic. It's not anything that he did during, you know, the fact he locked us down and took away our rights and freedoms uh, and his policies as chancellor at that time. It is immigration. It's the hot topic all around the world. It's part of the globalist agenda, as we know here on TNT, to destabilize countries, uh, to, to mix up cultures, to cause unrest and unease, uh, and, and obviously to bring in eventually some kind of one world government. But it's today his position is under threat. There's only 24 hours to go before we see how the MPs have decided to vote. And that could lead to, as I say, snap general election here in the yeah. UK. All very much part of the political pantomime, because as you said, he's done nothing that the not so aptly conservative party, um, they haven't really represented the people. So here he is doing something that the people would like, but knowing full well that he doesn't have the numbers so he can go out and pretend that he wanted to do the right thing knowing full well it's one th thing to suggest something but if you know you're not going to get it across the line what was the point in the first place they know the numbers but it is good in that it does reflect that there are a bunch of infiltrators if you will in the conservative party not just over in your country but certainly here in our liberal party virtually indistinguishable from their counterparts if you will in the duopoly we're starting to wake up to that and again there's no point putting out a good uh, uh, a good uh, prospect that we could be lowering immigration numbers. And uh, unless you're living over with the Dutch and have somebody like Geert Wilders, who is terrific, but uh, they would suggest far too extreme. The people of that country don't think that's too extreme. They don't think that's a bit too much, and that's democracy. And even then, when you get somebody like that and an overwhelming number of people voting for them, what happens? They don't have enough people to form government with. It really is just sickening. And uh, but it'll get worse before it gets better, if it ever gets better. But I'm just sick of the uh, the pretense. And uh, Rishi Sunak, you can go, mate, because we know your true colours. You might be advocating for something that we all like, but you know it's not going to happen. And I think another. Uh I think definitely another indication that it's not going to happen is that it's been released today. Figures show that the government has earmarked 700 million to deal with small boat crossings across the English Channel until the year 2030, even 2034. So if this plan is so set to work, why would you earmark 700 million to deal with still the small boats crisis? Um, it's either one or the other. Is it going to work or it's not going to work? This whole Rwanda plan is to stop the small boats. So today, why announce that you've earmarked 700 million to help with the small boats to manage 
manage the small boats. It just doesn't make, you know, it doesn't make any logistical sense. It's a bit of gaslighting, actually. But it's just interesting to see if this will be the thing that overthrows our, uh, our Tory premiership leader here in the UK. You know, watch this space. We'll have an update tomorrow or well, Wednesday, given that the vote's the Tuesday afternoon here in the UK. We'll have an update on Wednesday morning, your time. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see how this one goes. Yeah, it'll be very interesting. I'm just sick of the fact that, I mean, here we are, that we even tolerate this at all, and we've been by increments. And I think Jordan Peterson said it very well. You know, how did we get from there to here? And it's, you know, I step up, I get in your face, you're a bit uncomfortable, I wait, I stop advancing, you get used to it. Once you're used to it, I advance a little bit more. You blink, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years goes past, and that which we would have considered utter madness, sheer madness, then becomes a regular day of li- uh, way of life, and we cop it. We cop it, and uh, our grandkids are certainly going to be paying the price if we don't step up. And, uh, you know, it's rank cowardice for those of us who don't speak up. We know there's a problem. We know those problems are going to amplify disproportionately over time. And, again, I've had enough, and that's why I do this, and I suspect, Gemma, that's why you do this as well, because we need the truth to get out there, and we're prepared to put ourselves and our reputations on the line to get it out there. And that's what TNT uh, Radio allows us to do. Thank you, Gemma Cooper. I'll be joining you again next hour, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. You too, Dean. With the Aussie Cossack right after this. Rick Munn on TNT Radio. There was a a statement that I saw last week that I thought was quite interesting from one of these uh, web spokespeople, the World Economic Forum spokesperson. And one thing that she said that I thought was quite interesting was she said, you know, um, there has been a little bit of a tail off with people buying into the vaccine narrative. And she blamed that on people like us spreading so-called misinformation. She said that climate change was a little bit too much of an abstract concept for people to really grab and get their heads around so that's not really taking off the way they want to either and then she said something very interesting she said you know what when the water crisis comes people will understand that because it's simple and everybody needs water and if you don't have water for a few days at a time you'll know all about it so maybe you know we're hypothesizing a little bit about what's what it's going to take to grab people and bring them back on board again with a world economic forum type narrative could this be what it is locked in Loaded with Rick Munn on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. She used to dance and dream of a better life, a brighter future, with nutritious food to eat, a chance to learn, to get an education do incredible things. Today, thanks to Children International and friends like you, she dances for the world. Together, we give children in poverty a chance to set their sights high and achieve their dreams by ensuring that they have access to health care, education, life skills, and more so they can grow, thrive, and believe in themselves. Gracias. Gracias. Learn more about Children International and join us in our life-changing work at children.org today. Without CO2, the world stops breathing. CO2 sustains all life on Earth. Government, the WEF, and the elite believe humans are the carbon they really want to be rid of. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. I'm still trying not to laugh. Uh, You know, Anastasia Palaszczuk, I feel like I've run a marathon. She looks like she does that every day. 
not. Okay, really not. Uh, I'll tell you what, our next guest, a true champion of the people, and we're very lucky to have him here as a co-commentator. He's here every Saturday and certainly every afternoon here during my program as well. I am, of course, talking about the Aussie Cossack, Simeon Boykoff. How are you? Uh, very good, Dean. Celebrating with the rest of Australia. The, one of the last of the COVID tyrants has finally kicked the bucket. It should have been done a long time earlier. So I want to take this opportunity to congratulate everybody in Queensland. It's a great state, and we know it's a great state because it voted 80% no for the referendum, which was the highest in the country. And that just goes to show uh, that they're all a bunch of bloody racists. No, I'm just kidding. They're all a bunch <laughs> of bloody legends. But they're probably racist as well. But a, bit, a little bit of racism, there's nothing wrong with that, is it? If it's just in, it's, it's in a good racism, good banter, I think it's part of being an Australian that you, you put Australians first, and it's not, not about race. It's about putting Australians first yeah. who live here, who love this country, who work, who pay tax, instead of feeding bludgers who are arriving on boats from overseas who do not care about Australia. They don't want to contribute at all. You know, I'm from a migrant family, as we all know, Simeon Boykoff. You know, my great-grandparents, they're buried in Australia. They came here uh, in the middle of last century. But the day they got off the boat, they went to work. And all these migrants that came in the 50s and the 40s and the 60s uh, of last century, they were working in factories, they were building new areas, they were working in the Snowy River uh, Mountain Scheme, and they actually added to Australia's prosperity and its advancement. Now, the migrants of today, they get everything spoon-fed on a silver platter. I think that's the way the government wants it. The government wants to just create a social estate. Yeah. Uh, so congratulations again. Went on a bit of a Queensland-style rant, but I'm sure what I just said, everybody on Queensland <laughs> will agree with me. It's true. I mean, I literally don't know any racists, and it's not about race. It's quite often about culture. And if you've got a bunch of, you know, Caucasian people and you went and put them in a country as babies and they grew up amongst uh, a culture that we probably didn't think was compatible with ours, those people would be exactly people who we didn't want here, not because of their race, because of the way that their culture demands that they act and it is about culture it's not racial certainly not about racial it's not no, about look, look, some genetic. of the best Never has been. out there are a multicultural background right you're you know korean dry cleaner you're greek fish and chip shop owner yep you know you're iraqi mechanic right these are all good people when, you, when you're in the flourishing in your local area in local businesses uh you're i don't know Indian taxi driver, for example. I'm not trying to stereotype here, but let's <laughs> <Yeah>. probably am. <laughs> we'll get ourselves in trouble. Nah, not there. much. <laughs> not much. Well, look, at the end of the day, uh, how would you stereotype a Russian? Your Russian uh, vodka distiller. Uh, speaking of vodka distillery, let's give a shout out to a small business. Uh, Vipium Vodka, V-I-P-I-M, I believe it is. They've got some good brands, and it's a local business in Queensland. They distill vodka. It's called Yagoda Vodka. There you go. We always give a shout out to a small business. And uh, coming up to Christmas, uh, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of uh, people ordering presents, ordering uh, drinks, ordering their friends and family stuff. So head over to the TNT Radio gift shop. You can order a pair of TNT socks. Uh, <laughs> and the dog bowl. I like that. I've got a couple dog of dog bowl. balls for the bugs. Oh, yeah. yes. The dog bowl. Well, there you go. So we've got Christmas coming up. We've got. Uh, the government trying to put another scare campaign into the fear of our citizens oh, in Australia. Yes. It's Christmas time, so everyone's going to die of COVID again. It's the good old, let's scare everyone with the Christmas train. Happens every year. We know all about it. I don't know what's wrong with the government. They still haven't got the message, uh, just like in the uh, 
film the castle, tell them they're dreaming because they want <laughs> Australians. I love that. Yeah, to take the sub variant XBB one point five Omicron. Who knows what that even means? And it's not many people pushing it. The ABC's pushing it. They've probably got a contract. Surprise, with, surprise. Yeah, yeah, a contract with the uh, Pfizer or Moderna, whoever this is. But this latest monovalent, they're calling it. Uh, contains just one strain of COVID-19, according to the ABC. So what are we supposed to believe that that actual injection contains a strain of COVID? I don't understand how this works. I don't want to understand it. All I can certainly say with certainty is say no. I've always said no. Don't believe them. Don't take it. Because they've said now, in this latest advice for Christmas, uh, one for people over the age of 12 from Pfizer, one for children aged between 5 and 12 from Pfizer, one for people over the age of 12 from Moderna. Novavax has developed a XBB 1.5 vaccine, which is not approved for use in Australia. I don't know why the ABC is telling us about that then. And according to the ABC, your best bet is to make an appointment with your local pharmacist or doctor. Covered vaccines are fully covered by Medicare, so you shouldn't have to pay for a thing. That's wrong. We are paying for it. Because oh, it's well, the our grandkids will be paying for it. Our exactly. grandkids will be paying for all of this. I mean, and mate, here they are. I mean, at least this is an actual vaccine. It's not an mRNA gene therapy. It actually does have a strain of something that may or may not exist. Something that may or may not have ever. So they, they are giving it. They're giving you a small dose of COVID, are they? Yeah, mate, they're going to give you a weakened dose of COVID, despite the fact that the only people that killed had three or more comorbidities or were already over the average life expectancy. So I, I don't know about you, mate. I'm going to roll the dice, take my chances, absolutely crapping myself, as you might imagine, should I get COVID. I remember having COVID, worst hour and a half of my life. Dreadful it was. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, it's like, terrible. Uh, it's, like summer, it's like summer in Siberia. It's a great summer. Just make <laughs> sure you don't miss that day. Mate, before you go, just quickly, because you know I'm a fan of his, and I know you are too, Vladimir Putin doing something our leaders would not dare, and that is he's going to be doing something very special and allowing people to question him. Just very quickly tell people what he's doing on the 14th of December. Well, there we go. This uh, week on the 14th of December, and I'm sure we'll have some coverage, hopefully live coverage of this on TNT Radio, so stay tuned to TNT on YouTube and X and what other platforms you watch the video on. But Vladimir Putin is going to be taking live questions from anybody, anywhere, and already more than one million questions have been registered uh, to the president. So this is a thing that he does every year. I don't know any Western leader that does this. It's a marathon event which takes place once a year. He sits down and he takes random questions, no pre-planning. Of course, there are some pre-planned questions, yeah. but in generally, the, the gist of it is anyone can ring up and complain or ask a question or ask for something. So you get all these random requests. Vladimir Putin, uh, may I please uh, have a new car, you know, from this person. Or Vladimir Putin, <laughs> there's a pothole in the road down the street in the village where I live. Can we fix it? And the president's yeah. like, Yes, we fix that. And within 20 minutes, there's like a helicopter dispatched and they fix the road, you know, before yeah. Putin. So he's got all, he, what he does is he gets all the ministers and all the other government officials sitting in on it and everyone's holding pieces of paper, getting ready to write down an action, whatever he says. And you may get some very serious questions. You may get some just normal people that couldn't get through to their local uh, officials in their yep. towns and cities asking him things. So... I mean, I don't have to ask him for anything because I've got Russian citizenship from him. Uh, but what I want to say is, have you ever seen any Western leader do that? Imagine Albanese sitting there for 12 hours in a row with an open line, 
open slather, and any Australian could give him a call out of the he blue. He would run a mile, mate. He would run a mile. They don't even let, you know, journalists get in who they don't uh, already have pre-approved questions from, let alone members of the public. That would okay. go down like a lead balloon. Uh, that made Vladimir Putin, he's like Santa, a Russian Santa. I think that's terrific. And, of course, the media will go into meltdown because they've been telling people that he passed away. I mean, such ridiculous nonsense. For, for the that, uh, 17th time. <laughs> He's very resilient, I've got to say, as are you, my friend. Ozzy Kozak, Simeon Boykov, mate, I uh, appreciate our time every day and I look forward to chatting again tomorrow. Speak to you then, Dean. All the best. Everybody, we'll be back right after this at TNT Radio. Now, TNT Radio News. Uh-oh. Scandal. Huge news. This is very important. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Hunter Biden has been indicted on felony tax crimes. The first son accused of splashing millions of dollars on his lavish lifestyle rather than paying his taxes. Radio host Alex Jones has dropped a bombshell claiming President Joe Biden's cognition has deteriorated to a point where the Commander-in-Chief is now walking around the White House naked, not knowing who he is. And a date has been set for Russia's presidential election, with voters to head to the polls in just 14 weeks' time. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda. It never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. And welcome back to the program. Sometimes we get a bargain. We're used to everything being in the billions. Remember when a billion dollars or a couple of billion was our whole federal deficit? And now it's just money that we throw around. It's not a big deal. So 145 million, an M without a B, is an absolute bonus. We're going to get this voluntary, <laughs> voluntary, yeah, a voluntary digital ID thrust upon us. They're already saying it could be in the future used for other things. We don't know what they are. But uh, fortunately, I've got Deanna. Uh, I, I had your surname all practiced. I had a George Danikian style delivery and I've ruined it. Uh, Diana Drago Merovic. There you go. I can't do that without doing that. And you are absolutely wonderful for coming on today and talking about the digital identity bill. Diana, how are you? I'm fantastic, Dean. How are you? Thanks for having me today. Thank you. Now, you are, of course, part of the Australian Medical Network. It is the fastest growing health network. And after the last three years, people are looking for the truth about their health. And if it wasn't for people like you, they'd have nowhere to go. I think it's wonderful what you do in this digital identity bill. Now, it starts off, it's all very, very low key. It's optional. It's nice. All your data is in one place, which means you've only got to hack one place to get it all. Uh, and the only people that are going to have it then will be the government the one group who I distrust the most. So call me paranoid, if you will, but I'm, I'm certainly be opting out as long as it is optional, but I would suggest that won't be the case for very long. Well, it will all depend because when you look at when they were asking us if you were getting a director's ID, that it ha you had to get a digital ID also at the same time. However, what they failed to tell a lot of people was that you didn't have to have a digital ID to get your director's ID. So there is also a 
method on the um, on the government's website where you can actually opt out. You can unregister your digital ID. So it requires you to you know go through some prompts and then you have to call a support line to to do so, which is which is maybe off-putting for some people because they might be fearful of what, what those sort of repercussions are, but people shouldn't feel afraid to. Um, the digital ID is an interesting, has an interesting history because the research when we were doing it is back in 1986, the Australian card was um, trying to be pushed through government and it failed. Uh, it failed due to public sentiment and it was also blocked because of the opposition and the minority parties. Then in 2014, it was actually the Libs that started under Tony Abbott, started the um, the, the first digital ID, uh, I guess what we're seeing today. And now the, the Labor Party is, is um, in charge of seeing it coming through. This uh, first reading was held last week and then or the week before and then the next two will be through 2024. Now some people could argue if they don't know what this is all about I mean how is that any different let's say to a, a digital driver's license and I won't be hypocritical I like my digital driver's license it suits me but and again and again I don't want to be hypocritical I hated the idea of the Australia card but then I realized we've got people coming to this country from overseas using other people's Medicare cards to go and get very expensive medical, uh, even surgeries done on the, at the Australian taxpayers, you know, uh, expense. So there are good aspects and bad aspects, but ultimately, why do I feel like this is so dangerous? Why am I feeling that in my gut? Well, this is a major change in the way that we will live, work, play, and it will start off with changes with respects to how we, I guess, what they'll do is they'll link the driver's license, passport, health records and, and, and a couple of other areas. Now, if that's all held on one central database, how do we know that our data is actually protected? If you look at Optus, Optus is a massive company and they weren't able to protect Optus you know, Optus um, customers from data breaches. Now, we could argue that the government have ex exceptional, exceptional IT and, and cyber security in place, but, I mean, anybody who knows anything about IT and cyber security, it, it's not difficult to... A very smart hacker can find their way into, you know, virtually anything. But the problem here is also, Dean... Um, you know how you raised about the Australia card. The Australia card was a physical, I guess, a yeah. physical piece of ID, whereas this is something that you and I won't own. And you're absolutely right. We, there are probably a lot of benefits to having a digital ID. However, we have not been involved in the, the discourse around it, the agreement around it, who will control it, who are the IT and providers behind the that will be managing our, our digital, I guess, our, our identities. And then there's also this issue of mission creep that you've alluded to, where you've got this, it's starting off with all good intentions, but then with all this other, I guess, um, where, at what point does it become surveillance? And then the digital ID is not only 
an issue on its own, couple it with the misinformation bill, then you have problems with what you can do, what you can't do. And, you know, we have doctors in, in our network who are, have been reprimanded over the last, you know, few years, and they're not allowed to even speak about certain things related to the pandemic, even though they are, they are skilled and, and experts in, in the area. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's very much like any tool, you know, whether we're talking about a gun or a knife, uh, a farmer can use a gun as a very effective tool uh, on his property. But if you put that gun in the hands of somebody that can't be trusted, it is a deadly weapon. It is something that is very much going to go against that which society would hope. And this is very much the same. If you trust the government who wields this potential weapon, you know, uh, if you trust them, it's great. But I don't trust them. I think it's going to be dreadful. And if there's one place, I would suggest this will be a massive part of our life. Now, if there is one, if there is one place, and I'm sure you will agree with me on this, where we can almost bet in 10 years the digital ID won't be required, that is when we go to put pencil or pen to paper at your local, local ballot box because they tend to be very slow in uh, when it comes to the voting system to introduce any kind of technology that would keep that honest. And that is where I would most likely um, or most like to see some sort of electronic or, or verifiable identification. And that is the one place we probably won't see this, um, if not for a long time, possibly ever. We th That's an interesting issue that you raise because... How do we then know, even if you are electronically uh, selecting a certain member of parliament that you're voting for, how do we know that our vote has actually properly been registered, yep. number one? Number two, you know, we also, like, one thing I think that a lot of people don't realise is that we, we live in a representative democracy, not a direct democracy. So in a direct democracy, you... And there are very few of those. There's probably a few cantons in Switzerland and I think there's a, a state in the US where the actual populace votes on issues. However, something of this magnitude needs to go to a vote. It can't be just um, brought in through legislation, which is what is going on right now. And, and it's not clear as to what is the intention behind this. They're saying that it's to you know, for convenience. Well, I don't feel inconvenient. I don't feel any inconvenience with, with my current ideas. Yeah. Um, the other day we, we re, um, reapplied for our, our passport and there was no, it was not a problem at all. There was no, no issue, didn't need to go through digital ID or anything like that. It was quite straightforward. But it's, it's, it's very interesting to see where this will go long term and and why is it being pushed through in such a there's no there's no talk about it on mainstream media. It's only in the independent media like these platforms that you get to speak about it. Well, it's like all of these um, you know, free speech bills, you know, or or you know, truth bills or disinformation bills, whatever you want to call them. They seem to be in lockstep in many of the Western nations. I would suggest that those countries that don't have a digital ID bill being thrust upon them, if not immediately, shall imminently have that thrust upon them as well. And again, I mean, we just had a referendum, a resounding no. I mean, we all knew it was going to be a no long before it happened. We could have saved ourselves, you know, half a billion dollars. Or what we could have done was, as you suggested, done the equivalent of a, you know, citizens initiated 
referendum and ask a bunch of questions. Would you like a digital ID? Would you like to uh, increase or decrease mass immigration? And do you think that we need renewables in our future? Or would you like to stick with coal, for example? And they could have asked all these questions and they should, but they don't. They don't care. They have more of an agenda. They don't really care what we have to say. They tolerate us where they must. And only when it comes to matters of the constitution where they need us to to change it to suit them do they this is certainly going to suit them it's not going to suit the bulk of us i hope that uh, that we're wrong about it i strongly suspect uh diana you've been wrong about very little in your lifetime you're smart you're intuitive and you're doing all the best things for us as part of the australian medical network and i hope you can keep fighting the good fight and and let us know what's going on with this because i think it's going to be insidious over time might start off looking real nice but i don't see it panning out too well uh 10 years down the track That'll be up to us, won't it, Dean? Yeah. And you look at that, um, have you heard of the Human Freedom Index? Yeah. So the Human Freedom Index has, you know, there's about top 10 countries that have high levels of freedom and Australia's number eight. And what? Really? Are we number eight? We're number eight. I thought we'd number, be 88. I, oh, no. exactly, exactly. But the Human Freedom Index talks about freedom of expression, freedom of choice, freedom of property, and all these things, even though they, they're talking about the digital ID being more convenient, the problem is that in, like you said, 10 years' time, that freedom looks like it's it's possibly not going to be there. Wow. I mean, after the last three years, I thought we'd rank lower than North Korea. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, unbelievable. Diana, I very much appreciate you coming on the program today. I hope we can do it again real soon. Thank you for keeping abreast of all that's happening with the digital ID bill. And um, we'll talk about that more in the future. Thank you for coming on the program today. Thank you, Dean. Everybody, yeah. we're going to be talking. Thank you. I shall. We're going to be talking to Robbie Catter on the other side of the break. All you have to do is stick around. This is TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. It's fascinating listening to people talk about the whole climate situation. Last night in the debates over here in the United States, Virg Ramaswamy, I hope I have his name pronounced right. After all, if you look at my last name, you don't want to pronounce wrong, right? But in any case, he echoed what I wrote in my book about this whole climate change situation and the fact that COVID was a warm-up for eventual climate lockdowns. And I was listening to Alex Epstein yesterday, who I think is just spot on right, and he was saying the same kind of things that I've been saying over the years. You see, we all understand that even if this is a problem, it can't be that bad a problem since we have 128th the climate deaths that we did in 1930 with four times the amount of people. In any case, Al Gore, who I've talked about before, could be one of the biggest sanctimonious hypocrites, along with John Kerry, that you're ever going to encounter. He says that the agreement to phase out fossil fuels will be one of the most significant events in the history of humanity. And it would be because it would lead to mass death among a lot of people. It would lead to, at the very least, the fact that you will not have the freedom to do what you're supposed to do. And of course, we have John Kerry. How rich is this? A guy that got a D in geology in college says, we've got to do what the science tells us to do. Well, science doesn't say anything because it's an eternal search for the truth 
that is constantly being challenged and upgraded. But these two, I don't know what I should call them, capatost in Italian, they are very dangerous people. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. I said, could she die? And the doctor said she could. It was so scary. When I started clawing at my neck and trying to breathe and I thought, you know, what are we going to do if I die here? <laughs> How's everyone going to go on? When someone's gravely sick or injured in the bush, they rely on the Royal Flying Doctor Service. But now the Flying Doctor needs your help to fund vital medical equipment and supplies. Please search Flying Doctor online to give a regular gift of just $10. You can help equip the Flying Doctor's teams to respond to any emergency anywhere. Search Flying Doctor online. Become a part of the Royal Flying Doctor service and help save lives in the bush. This is the Dean Mackin Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And welcome back to the program. Lots happening up in Queensland and a place I would very much love to live. It would be my choice. I think the voters up there are significantly more intelligent than any other state of Australia. How they have a Labor government at all is beyond me. I really, that part, I don't quite get. We've got some interesting things happening. They're predicting on the 26th of October next year will be when Queensland goes back to the polls. Uh, One Nation doing some very interesting uh, things that I don't quite uh, agree with. James Ashby is going to be running up there. I wouldn't have thought that would be overly clever based on the whole Peter Slipper incident or Ashby Gate. I don't quite get that either. Uh, Maybe I'll ask Malcolm Roberts about that next time. Maybe I won't. I like Malcolm. I don't want to put him on the spot, but uh, it was something that kind of uh, made me, uh, made my ears prick up when I heard it. Uh, but certainly lots going up on in Queensland. And who better to talk to than MP Robbie Catter? He is the Catter Australia Party's leader up in Queensland, a member for Tregear in Queensland's parliament. Robbie served on the Mount Isa City Council as a councillor for four years before being elected to the as the state member for Mount Isa. And he joins us on the program. Hey, Robbie, how are you going? Dean, it's great to be here with you, mate. Mate, thank you. I really very much appreciate you. Mate, uh, now, some people saying with uh, Palaszczuk's departure or the announcement thereof Mm. on the weekend that many people were surprised. I absolutely was not surprised. Um, What what, Were you surprised? Oh, well, I guess insofar as I wasn't expecting it that day, but not surprised that it happened. Uh, Yeah. it It was on the cards and... I think for a, a number of reasons, um, and you know, the, I think the turn of phrase that appeals to me most is uh, you run out of runway. You know, you can throw money at problems <laughs> and, you know, yeah. um, and without really trying to fix them. And um, if you're staring down the barrel from now until October next year in the election and you're thinking, you know, youth crime is, um, is just uh, keeps escalating out of control incrementally and, um, you know, you've got people sleeping in cars throughout the state outside of hospitals waiting, you know, sleeping in their cars outside of hospitals waiting to get in. They can't afford to get in or accommodation, uh, well, for whatever reason. Um, you know, insurance, 20% of North Queensland isn't insured because they can't afford wow. insurance. Yeah. The cost of electricity is through the roof and they're pumping more renewables into us. And, um, you know, it's 
and you, you could, if you wanted to be defensive for her, you'd say, oh, she just, you know, they know they've got to win seats from the green, so they, but for whatever the reason may be. Oh, sorry, I should also say, like, she's had a hand firmly on the sledgehammer that's uh, the environmental sledgehammer that's been smashing our private primary industries here. Um, you know, just as recently as a few weeks ago, they announced they're going to close um, net fishing, well, implement the, um, get follow through with the net fishing ban on, uh, well, really throughout all of Queensland now because they're net fishing ban through the Gulf and the East Coast. So um, they're just ripping through our primary industries, you know, um, and then trying to buy their way out of it by putting on the Olympics, So, yeah, which they said would cost $5 billion. And, um, you know, when you've got people sleeping in the cars and a broken hospital system and um, power prices going through the roof, but you say, let's build more stadiums to have a party in 10 years' time, that's not going to go down well. And I think she saw that. So um, I think that would have been the major contributing factor, saying I might tap out now, eh? Yeah, it's crazy. We talk about billions the way we used to talk about tens of millions, uh, five yeah. billion dollars to put put on this Olympic Games. I mean, what Ridiculous. honestly? What's the likelihood of getting that kind of money back um, out of it? Oh. I can't imagine we we would make anything close to that back. Well, you know, one of the big labour heavies in Queensland, Cameron Milner, came out, uh, which was was big news. You know, he came out last week in the major papers saying this is just foolish. They need to back out of this and. The Lord Mayor of Brisbane said, oh, "I'm out. I'm, I'm, I don't want to be part of this anymore." And um, and uh, you know, the Tokyo Olympics, I think they said was 21 billion, and wow. no Olympics are costing it under you know 14, 15 billion. And she's going around saying it was um, you know just be five billion. That's all t- cost. And um, and uh, you know, we we built a new athletics track in Queensland for the Commonwealth Games, 100 k's up the road. And the Olympics committee themselves said, we, "Well, we thought you were just going to put a lick of paint on the gap, but we didn't realise you were going to." rebuild the whole thing yeah and when you've got people sleeping in their cars around the state saying we need housing and uh, we need new hospitals and health facilities and they said well actually we'll be we'll be a bit busy for the next 10 years building sports stadiums that's i mean look that's just one case in point i could keep going but um you know to me she hasn't exactly bathed herself in glory and uh and and worse the worse it gets as you go out to the regions and sure they've spent a lot of money here They'll, they'll throw money around uh, like confetti out in the regions, that, um, but it just doesn't hit the places it should. And if you, you know, if you can't build dams or operate your primary activities, uh, your primary industry, sorry, um, well, there's no point having a new town hall or a new uh, sports facility in the in town. You know, if you can't, if you don't have your primary industries working in the background. Yeah, and wouldn't it be nice if it was just a, a lick of paint on some of those stadiums rather than knock down rebuilds or just flat out new stadiums? Uh, and again, mate, we've yeah. uh, we've seen the Commonwealth Games tossed around from state to state like a hot potato. Yeah. This is going to be potentially far worse than that. And I don't know why yeah. Australia feels that we need to be a part of this. It would be nice to uh, to get out of debt, to not have the grandkids have to, uh, you know, the burden of the load that we have created, but they tend mm. to get us in more and more debt. And, you know, here we were saying at the last federal election, um, you know, Clive Palmer, for example, saying, you know, wouldn't it be nice to, you know, get out? I mean, I think many of us, you know, yourself uh, and and many other parties of on the right suggesting that, you know, we should get out of debt. And here's Labor and Liberal, the duopoly, if you will, and just adding adding to that debt. I had adding no... Mate, there's no way they're going to get us out of any doubt. I don't know at which point we're going to make that a priority. We certainly need to. But up in Queensland, where I thought they they were smart, and that mate, how do you see the next state election going? Well, you know, I'm I'm pleased you mentioned the duopoly because, um, you know, 
the I suppose it speaks volumes to the opposition um, thinks they can just sort of walk into it from oh look they work very hard the opposition but they're not really promising anything much different and um, so w- when we say we want to turn around the draconian reef regulations that's um, smashing the sugar industry or the tree clearing laws or um, you know the the ports uh, strategic ports bill that was put through by Labor that said no more yeah. ports could be established in Queensland. Um, any of that draconian stuff they did in the name of the environment or gillnet fishing van, they all they shy away from that but then come back and say, but we've got to get rid of labour. To which you might respond, well, yeah, we do, but um, that's you still need to promise us something different. <laughs> you need to put something on the table. You can't just say you're not labour. And um, and unfortunately, we've created an environment in Australia where they can get away with doing that, with um, just making pointing out how bad the other guys are and and um, sailing in on that. And and you know, unfortunately, they're all racing to get these green votes in the um, in, in the mostly in the inner city and um they're all it's a race to the bottom on on sort of that social environmental policy where um the rest of the regions are just getting more and more uh, disenfranchised and angry and um makes it interesting for parties like the kap and that i lead because um yeah there's i know there's a lot of dissatisfaction out there and um but you know at the end of the day looks we just need to give people some positive direction you know um, don't you're not going to re- build an economy off Olympic Games and build a new stadiums for Olympic yeah, Games that yes. no one else in the world wanted or bid for. Uh, you will build a new economy if you, let's say you ignite a biofuels, um, you know, a biofuels industry with a mandate and we could have a Manildra plants like you could then uh, down there in New South Wales, we could have 10 of those in Queensland, all done you know, through private industry, creating stimulus for agriculture, manufacturing and, and um, helping our fuel supplies in Queensland. We could do that at a stroke of a pen tomorrow and uh, facilitate that. And uh, we could, uh, you know, we'd introduce a nuclear energy uh, industry into into Queensland and be at the forefront of that for Australia and have, um, you know, have small modular nuclear reactors starting out in some of these remote mining areas and yeah. get back into value-adding and mineral processing like we used to in Australia and turn the tide on that and create value-adding, which brings that wealth, keep, retains that wealth here so we're not sending bulk ore to China anymore. And, uh, you know, there's, some, there's just so many tremendous things you can do in Queensland because we're still a clean slate, still have enormous resources, but um, but the government's just made, it, made a business out of... Um, Getting it, ripping it out of the ground, flogging it overseas, and um, and uh, not charging much for it either in, in the process. So um, yeah, we've uh, there's just whilst it's all bad now, it just means there's it's it's great opportunities for to do things better here in the state. But um, you know, fiddling, just trying to win voters over by throwing cash around and and building new sports stadiums everywhere and uh, nice new buildings in towns is not the way to build an economy. That's just using our taxes to circulate it back in the short-term and short-term stimulus. But if we um, we start building some strategic infrastructure and your, your roads, your nuclear energy, those biofuels plants, and uh, or facilitate investment into it as, as well, um, yeah, it could be a, a powerful state and we could lead a country in, in terms of industry. Yeah, it might thing you say reminds me of the old adage you know don't give a, a hungry man a fish teach that man how, how to fish everything that you're advocating for is infrastructure that you'll keep on giving back to the people and there's you know anastasia uh, palaszczuk on her social media accounts oh there's a whole bunch of you know free social housing there's a whole bunch of free free stuff free stuff free stuff all free stuff but it's not free 
our great grandkids are going to have to pay for it, mate. And only through uh, some of the things that you're advocating for is that even potentially likely to happen. And that's why I think the you know the the Qatar, uh, Australia party is such a terrific party, mate. And just quickly, because you are well and truly entrenched up there, and I think I've only got about twenty seconds, uh, mate. Do you yeah. think it's going to be the same old, same old when it comes to Stephen Miles? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what difference it makes if you, you change leaders that much. Um, yeah, it'd be same old, same old as far as I'm concerned in Queensland with the Labor Party. I think you might be right. That's why we need to look at people such as Robbie Catter, such as the Catter Australia Party. And, uh, mate, thank you for doing a terrific job. You are chip off the old block, and thanks for coming <laughs> on TNT Radio today. Thanks, Dean. It was a pleasure. Cheers. We'll be back after the break. You're listening to TNT Radio.